0: we mm-hmm.
1: salutations, creature lovers. This is Mr. Venom welcoming you to episode 20 of No More Room in Hell Presents Creature Comfort. Before we talk about our movie this episode, let me go ahead and introduce my cohorts. They are, of course, uh, coming to us from the main show, No More Room in Hell. It is Mr. Derek B. How you doing, Derek? Hey, yo.
2: Razor Ramon's back. Oh, I hey, love it. Day. We
1: love Razor Ramon on Creature Comfort. Ha, oh, <laughs> ha. Um, my other co-host, of course, Mr. Don Nelly
0: from the Horror Countdown podcast and Fresh Cuts. How you doing, Don? Yeah, what's going on? Just a uh, fun time tonight. Uh, I found these strange rocks outside my house. I don't know if you guys are aware of the fact that these things are filled with diamonds. Yeah, yeah diamonds. Geodes. Holy shit. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're making this strange noise, too, and they're covered with cobwebs, but I'm really feeling lucky about it because of, you know, diamonds, but... <laughs>
1: Hey, I already said I'm a gambler earlier today, so, yeah. There, if there's potential diamonds uh, involved, take the gamble. It's always worth it. I mean, yes. what's the worst that could happen? You could die, right? <laughs> yeah, true. All right, folks. If, if that not given away... If that little (laughs) spurt hasn't given away our movie this week, we are looking at 1975's The Giant Spider Invasion, which was directed by Bill Rabane and shot out in Wisconsin. But before that, I did want to talk a little bit about something, something that we touched on the last episode. But I think it's, you know, it's about time we stop ignoring the 500-pound gorilla in the room. Actually, in this case, it's the 164-foot-tall Kaiju. And that is, of course, our friend from Japan, Godzilla. We are, as we record this, we are less than three weeks away from the American release of Godzilla Minus One. And now that, obviously, the last time we recorded an episode, there was no full trailer available. It was just the teaser, which basically gave us very little. Since then, we have now had two full trailers for the film, and... Once again, on the cusp of its American release, I wanted to revisit the subject and kind of see how excited uh, my co-hosts are. Are they exci- as excited as I am? So let me go ahead and bring in Derek. Derek, I'm going to assume you've seen one or both of these Godzilla trailers. What are you thinking, brother?
2: Oh, yeah, I pre-ordered my fucking ticket right after the second trailer. <laughs> I- fucking, yeah, and two shirts. I got two minus one shirts already coming uh it's pretty great, yeah I, I'm excited you know it's you know it, it just feels like like especially like uh when Godzilla Two thousand came out yeah. yeah that was like probably like the last time, like Shen was released in theaters, but it wasn't like fucking godzilla two thousand theaters it was like li- right. you know like one day two three days, some bullshit like that. Fucking, this is like the biggest release of uh Japanese Godzilla film in a while, and mm-hmm. I'm fucking excited for it. Kind of sad that it comes out the same day as the Beyonce thing, though, because I would love <laughs> to see this in fucking IMAX, and kind of pisses me off that they don't have any IMAX listens in my area uh, because of that fucking Beyonce movie.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, that sucks. Yeah, because I'm, I'm seeing it in IMAX, but I'm in L.A. where we've got a shitload of theaters, obviously, so...
2: Yeah, but hopefully it comes out on fucking 4K, and I'll be fucking buying that bad Larry and watching that on repeat over and <laughs> over again. You know? it, exactly.
0: Don, why don't you come on in here? What
1: are you thinking yeah. about Godzilla Minus One?
0: Yeah, I, I didn't... Uh, th- there's one I know I missed because I, I still wanted to keep some aspects of uh, the mm-hmm. film under wraps just you know, because it's me, but... Yeah, there is one that I did see, and it's the one that starts off with uh, the ship disasters. So I don't know which yeah. one. Um, that's I, the first
1: I think that's
0: one. The, yeah. That's the first one. Okay, yeah, that's the first one. I think one. it's both,
1: but yeah. Well, the second um, one kind of starts with a like a, almost like a political meeting thing going on,
0: Yeah, know, the, doesn't the, it? The first, the first one, the one, I, I don't know, I'm just saying the one I saw is the one that starts off the ship disaster. So I think that could be the first one, but... Yeah, uh, I'm so excited. I'm I'm really kind of struggling just to um, hide the fact that this is finally, you know, Godzilla coming back to the big screen. I actually got a chance to go to the New York premiere through uh, the website that I um, work for. But um, being in L.A., I can't get there. Ah. So, yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm a little sad at that, but. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm ecstatic. I'm buzzing. I mean, Godzilla looks incredible. This is probably so far one of my favorite designs. The destruction looks amazing. I, I cannot wait to dive into those attack sequences. And what little I know of the story, just because I, I'm, I'm trying to save some things for myself, what little I know of the story sounds incredibly interesting. So uh, I... I, I, I could probably cut glass with how hard I am right now waiting for. Yeah,
2: yeah, even like uh fucking uh Gareth Edwards, you actually already seen the movie. He you know, he directed twenty fourteen God's Yeah,
0: there's been a few screenings. Um I, I don't think that's been to um the public yet, but I know that there's been like uh Friends of Friends screenings and uh, stuff like that. So I, I know that there are a few that have seen it. Um, I mean, there's reviews on IMDb that have have seen it, so I know that there's, you know, some people that have actually watched it.
2: Yeah, you know, like, that gets me hyped too, like, like, you know, it's like a year of Godzilla, because even, like, we got that coming out, but then we also got the fucking Monarch show fucking coming out on Apple Plus fucking next week. <laughs> it's like, yeah.
0: it's,
2: a, it's a good year to be a Godzilla fan, <laughs> you know?
0: Oh well, hey, it's a sixty ninth birthday, so I mean you gotta go all out for that.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. Everybody's got to be satisfied.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna see Kurt Russell mean- riding Godzilla. <laughs> I awesome. mean, for
1: me, obviously, you know, I'm going to echo the sentiment that we've already kind of gone over. We're we're three giant creature feature lovers here. Obviously, you know, Big G along with, you know, King Kong being some of the, you know, first and foremost of the giant creatures. Uh, my love of Godzilla. I mean, I, I literally wear my love of Godzilla on my sleeve as I did get a God, a burning Godzilla tattoo earlier this year which is displayed prominently on my uh, left bicep. So it's literally next to my venom tattoo. It is the biggest tattoo I have on my body. So yeah, my love of Godzilla cannot be overstated. And obviously, you know, very much looking forward to the movie release. Um, I'm hoping that there's a, a Thursday night screening so I can check it out. Even like the day before it's actual release. I know yeah. they do that a lot out here in LA. I'm sure they do that in a lot of, places where you get, like, the night before one late screening or something right before it's... I, um, do, I,
2: um, do, I do know that they had, like, a thing for, like, an early engagement viewing and like, the ninth, yes. I believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there is a fan event. I'm not sure if that's AMC-specific. I know it, it's, it's happening at the AMCs out here. But it is specifically a fan event that's going to have a lot more than just Godzilla Minus One going on. Uh There's going to be other festivities happening as well. So, you know, check your local listings and look for that if you're interested. I'm probably just going to wait for the movie because, unfortunately, the 29th is a work night for me. So I can't really do too terribly yeah. much. But, um, yeah. Dang. I mean, if... It- I, I At the absolute least, I'll see it on December 1st. If I can see it the night before, I will 100% do that. Honestly, I, I'm going to end up seeing it two or three times opening weekends, so that, that's pretty much a given. And then I'll probably still go see it again during the week because Mrs. Venom wants to see it, and she works weekends. So I will have already seen it a couple of times by the time she sees it, but yeah. I will definitely have watched this a minimum three times before its first week is over. So, yeah, very excited for this. Very excited with Gareth Edwards, uh, the tweet that he put out about how great this film is, that it's potentially the best Godzilla movie he's ever seen. I try not to read reviews and things like that. I don't avoid trailers for creature features the way I do most horror films, just because, you know, most horror films don't do a very good job of keeping the story kind of under wraps. You know, with Godzilla movies, the trailer is just going to be Godzilla marauding through a city. I mean, so honestly, it's not giving yeah. really too much story there. So those are always mm-hmm. worth watching. But yeah, very excited for this one. But something else I'm excited for is this month's movie. And as mentioned earlier, we are looking at 1975's The Giant Spider Invasion. They came from another planet to destroy the Earth. Giant spiders crushing, clawing, killing, wrecking havoc. There was no place to hide from them. They were everywhere. Could anything stop? The giant spider invasion. Beware, the spiders are coming. This one's coming in at 84 minutes in length. It's synopsis. It's so nice. It's a single line. Uh, synopsis is as follows. Giant spiders from another dimension invade Wisconsin. Cut and dry, my (laughs) friends. Potentially the greatest one line synopsis for a film ever. I love it. Unfortunately.
0: Sometimes Uh I think he really screws up, but then, man, when they nail it, God, they fucking nail it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Big time. Now, unfortunately, our movie is sitting on a 3.2 out of 10, and... I can kind of see why people might give it such a low rating. I'm, I'm pretty sure all of you listening know that we're not going to be that low in our rating because uh this is a goddamn fun movie. But anyway, this movie is, of course, as I mentioned earlier, directed by Bill Rabane. This is very much a family production as more than three quarters of the film crew were Rabane family members like literally both of his brothers, uh his parents, one of his kids, uh, one of his kids is actually in the movie as the you know the young kid in the movie. So yeah, just definitely a family affair. But then we also do have some recognizable names de- depending on how old you are, they're recognizable to me, they're probably recognizable to to both, everyone else on the show only because of the genre that we all participate in. We got some great genre names here. But of course, we've got uh, Steve Brody starting as uh, Dr. Vance, our main character, NASA scientist, if you will. You've got Barbara Hale playing a a local scientist, local to the town in Wisconsin uh, that this takes place. We've got the great Robert Eastman as Kester, our our basically ultra southern, ultra womanizing farmer type, just <sighs> spectacular.
2: He's just spreading his semen every.
0: <laughs>
1: He's making he's making sure this kid is this town is filled with his kids. Oh my god, everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, we also have the lovely Leslie Parish as Ev. Uh, she is she plays Kester's wife who is very, very much out of his league. But, you know, <laughs> when you actually own a farm in Wisconsin, you probably look pretty good to the ladies. And last but certainly not least, Alan Hale Jr., the skipper from Gilligan's Island. We have the skipper as the sheriff in this one. So, And it's funny, too, because he is basically the skipper in this movie. His attitude, his smile, I mean, right down to the fact that his first line in this film is, hey, little buddy. I mean, if if that's not an homage to Gilligan's Island, I don't know what is. But, yeah, great little cast here. And, of course, you know, as the title implies, the giant spider invasion, basically a portal to another dimension somehow opens on Kester's farm. Uh, a giant spider comes out, or maybe the spider may not have been giant when it first came out of the little portal, but eventually he eats, grows, and ends up just marauding this town. So let's get into our general thoughts, and uh, let's bring in Don first. Don, what are your general thoughts on the giant spider invasion?
0: Yeah, um, this has always been kind of like one of my go-to picks when, you know, uh, we do like crappy creature features, it's like, you know, somebody gonna, you know, say, well, you know, I, I you know, I want to see like an overly bad one, kind of like, you know, just make fun of something, you know, like a, a, a traditional bad movie, night kind of movie. And when they imply like, you know, creature feature kind of a film, this is always the one that I, I point out just, it's sort of always been like the reputation of it more than the actual movie. Um, as I revisited it, I actually found myself far more invested in this than I ever really gave it credit for. And a lot of that, I realize, is because I actually was far more familiar with the MST3K version of the movie. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, uh, as soon as I, this is, I think, like, the second or third time I've ever seen this, like, without the, the commentary on it. And I actually was, you know, it, 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 second or third time, and it's probably at least since 2010 since I, I saw it as such. So it's been at least a decade since I've seen the the straight version of this one and i had a lot more fun with it than i thought i did yeah i i really like the setup here uh i i really like the way that it dives into the, the town i really like you know the cast of characters they're not you know annoying douchebags that you just want to strangle and kill every second you you know you get you, you know the the scientists are pretty interesting uh, you know the Technical gobbity goop that they spew isn't that far-fetched. It, it's a little bit more scientifically sound than you'd think. Um, I, I mean, it's, you know, pure bullshit, but it, it, it's good enough for this kind of a film. And yeah, I, I really like the build up here. I really like the way that it plays with, uh, you know, the spiders invading the town. Uh, you know, you get a few kind of cheesy attacks here and there. And then you get the real big cheesy attack at the end, which is. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen the finale, the final half of this, uh, yeah, this is a blast. But I, I had far more fun with this than I thought I would. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, again, it is cheesy beyond hell. It is. I, I mean, the the spider itself is probably going to be something we're all going to be talking about. So I'll save that for later. But <laughs> Yeah I, am. I I I would say give it this a shot as it's better than you would think it is I I mean it's you know it's not you know like the big high end you know animal attack films of the 70s you know it's not your grizzly it's not your you know piranha it's not you know prophecy of the monster movie I mean it's not even kingdom of the spiders which I I think this has a little bit more in common with than you'd think the the reputation is going to affect it a little bit, but, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was far more fun than it deserved to be, and I, I, I can't say I hated it. So, yeah, um, I'd probably have to, you know, maybe switch up my film for, you know, what's the, you know, a crappy creature feature going forward, because <laughs> I, I, I've seen a hell of a lot worse than this. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: I, I had fun, and I really liked it. Excellent. All right, Derek, come on in here, buddy.
2: Yeah, the giant spider invasion. This is a first-time watch for me. This, I heard of this movie for fucking years, and probably
0: me, <laughs> probably wow. Me.
2: And Venom. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I've seen clips of the like the mysterious theater three thousand version of this, but I never watched like the whole movie through until we had to do it for this show. And, man, there's a lot of shit going on in this movie that I didn't expect from, like, southern, like, comfort, like, dude, like, banging everybody. It's fucking crazy. (laughs) And, you know, then you got, like, subplot where he's like, I gotta get these diamonds, and he's covering, moving, finding dead bodies and burying them and shit. Like, he doesn't even give a shit about his fucking farm because all the animals are dying around. He's like, ah, it's okay. I'm going to go fuck this whore down the street. <laughs> you know? And then it turns into, like, these giants. I will admit the slowest parts to the movie is the parts with, like, you know, the fucking scientists, the lady scientists and the man scientists are just talking. Yep. And I'm like, those could have been cut out completely and it would have been a much better movie. <laughs> I know why they're there. Yeah, for exposition and shit, but it was like, okay, because there's like no music playing. It's kind of a kind of quiet movie at times, yeah. this movie, which kind of makes it drag in places, but then when it gets to the second act of the movie, when you start seeing fucking furries everywhere, like, it gets fucking balls-to-the-wall crazy, and you know, when you, when you see the giant spider, which I'm going to say when we're going to talk about it, it's like, what the fuck did, am I watching? But it's so funny. That it's like that. it been great because you got the Skipper, too, which kind of kept my interest. I'm like, hey, this is the Skipper. Like I said off here, of I was singing the fucking theme song every time. It's Gilligan and the Skipper. <laughs> you know, I was doing that the whole time. Every popped up. And, man, the end of this movie, I was like, wow. I didn't know that could happen with that happening but it happened. <laughs> so we'll talk about, it. we'll probably save that for a discussion on its own. But Yeah.
1: Yeah. The finale of this movie could definitely take up a whole segment. I, I have multiple questions myself. Yeah. But I,
2: I, you know, like I know this director's work because, you know, he did some other movies in this caliber, including like blood harvest with tiny mm-hmm. Tim demons of Ludwallow, and you know, like croaked, he did croaked. The killer oh, wow. frog, yeah. <laughs> so he might come up later.
1: You never know. But it's probably
2: his most famous movie, which also was featured on Mysterious Theater 3000, was Monster A Go Go.
1: Ah, I love so, Monster A Go Go.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's crazy. Like they get like all these editions of these fucking movies on Blu-ray now and shit. Like Arrow released like a whole Bill Rabane box set called like <laughs> Weird Wisconsin, which is pretty good. And, I'll I'll give it that. It's actually cool, like a Wisconsin filmmaker, like making movies and stuff like that. I I can respect that shit. You know? Yeah. You know, because they probably don't have a big film Uh, industry there to begin with. It's kind of cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um Uh,. Speaking to that point, back in 2005, the Mystery Science 3000 guys actually put together a Bill Rubain film festival, believe it or not. And this film, of course, was the headlining film on the festival. I think they showed like two or three uh, Bill Rabane films. And uh, Bill was there. Uh, Robert Easton was there. Uh, Robert Easton actually has a great uh, interview on the Blu-ray uh, where he talks about some great memories of both filming the movie and going to that Rabane Film Festival in 2005. Yeah. And that, that's a solid 10 years after Mystery Science Theater did uh, that as an episode. They did that in 1995, I believe. I wanna say 95 or 96. And then almost 10 years later, they host the first ever Bill Rabane Film Festival, which I thought, you know, obviously they did it in in, in a loving way. You know, they want to respect a director whose material they've made fun of multiple times over the years. And as far as I know, you know, it, it went off great. Everybody had a great time. So yeah, so that, that's kind of a cool fact. For me, this is, this is only the second time I've seen this movie without either Mystery Science Theater or Riff Tracks. For those who don't know, uh, three of the guys from Mystery Science Theater, after the series ended, went on to create Riff Tracks, Riff Tracks which still exist today. They, um, you know, Even though Mystery Science Theater is back with a whole new cast, the original Mystery Science Theater guys are now doing Riff Tracks, and they actually did a riff of this movie live back in, I want to say, 2017 or 2018. That I was lucky enough to actually be able to attend, and it was an absolute blast. I mean, they had the entire theater dressed up with giant spiders and Volkswagen beetles and just all sorts of cool references from the movie, all, all decorating the theater. It was so great. Um, but yeah, I am a big Mystery Science Theater fan. Gig- I mean, uh, another another pop culture reference that I wear on my sleeve because that's another I have. I have a Mystery Science Theater tattoo on my back shoulder, on the back of one of my shoulders. This is only the second time I've seen this movie without the riffs, and that is thanks to our friend Mr. Derek B, who was kind enough to gift this movie to me a couple of years ago after we had a discussion about it about how much I love the Mystery Science Theater episode. And how I had never seen it standalone. And he actually, out of the kindness of his heart, picked it up for me. And I love it now. And, man, watching it without the riffs, the serious, the serious nature of the first half of the movie, and I'm talking about before the giant spider makes an appearance, when it's just the tarantulas coming out of the stones and kind of, you know, doing what tarantulas do. Um, I, I thought that first half of the movie is so intense, like, it's it's right there on a par with Kingdom of the Spiders for me. Yeah. Kingdom of the Spiders is overall a better film beginning to end, but for the first half of this movie, they do a really, really good job of building tension, building atmosphere around this farmhouse and the Making surrounding a land.
2: with a blender. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- this movie is a lot better than people give it credit for. Like on this watch specifically, I was shocked how tense I was. Like it, 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 literally in the scene right before the first spite, the first giant spider jumps out of the dresser drawer, Um, leading up to that scene, I was tense. I was legit tense. I don't really have arachnophobia. I actually love, uh, spiders and scorpions in general. I'm the kind of person that'll go and pick up a tarantula if I see one on the ground. Yeah, I'm one of those weirdos. Still, something about the tension, especially the fact that Evelyn had been seeing these spiders all day and Kester didn't really, he hadn't seen any, so he's, you know, accusing her of being drunk, which she was an alcoholic, unfortunately. Evelyn was kind of a problematic alcoholic, but um, it's funny because both of them are cheating, and both of them are cheating down, which I don't understand. I've never cheated, I've been married 27 years, never cheated on my wife, but I always thought the point of cheating on your spouse is to cheat up, you know to 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 cheat with someone more attractive than the person you're already with especially if it's only sexual if you if you only you know just want to have a little mattress mambo or whatever but our boy Kester here he's married to a 9 but then he's paying money to have sex with a 7
2: he's like, like a you he's like the you grant to this movie
1: yeah, I, I just do not understand. Yes, exactly. Married to a, a beautiful... Elizabeth Hurley. <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley, but then going with a transsexual black prostitute. It's like, what? <laughs> I guess the grass is always greener on the other side. I don't know. It's like... I guess as a guy who's been married so long and and has never cheated, I don't understand the concept of it. I always just assumed you cheat up. That's the whole point. If you're going to risk your whole marriage on a one-night stand, it might as well be an epic one, right?
2: Listen to <laughs> being rapey with your wife's sister. Kid's sister. Oh
1: my god, and this guy this guy wants to screw everything with a vagina in this movie. I mean, Evelyn's younger sister who couldn't be older than 18 or 19 maybe? And he's hitting on her Uh just every – every. thankfully, there's not a lot of women. About the only woman he doesn't hit on is the scientist, but he never meets her. I'm yeah. sure if he'd have met her, he probably would have hit on her too. So I don't know. <laughs> just what a weirdo. But a, such a great performance. Like despite all his shortcomings, being a womanizer, being greedy, being a liar, a cheat, he's not – Hateable, like he—he's just ignorant. He's one of those characters that just—he—he's a victim of his own circumstance, you know, his his own upbringing, whatever else. So he's almost like the lovable loser, if you will. It's not like he actually tries to physically molest any women. I mean, he does get a little too close to uh Evelyn's cousin or uh, sister. sister, sister, right, younger sister. You always um, spank me. me. <laughs> I bend you over my knee and spank you. Like, you're talking to an 18-year-old girl, dude. You're not talking to a child. Anyway, yeah, just there's so much to like about this movie. As I mentioned, just the tension leading up to it, the minimal effects for the actual meteorite crashing and opening the portal, uh, you know, on the Kester farm. You know, they don't need to do a whole lot with it. You know, what little they give us is fine. And what's funny is that this movie cost, from what I understand, around two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make, and only about ten to fifteen thousand dollars was on uh, was the effects budget. So what they it were yeah, I mean, it shows yeah. at times, but the fact that they were able to take a Volkswagen Beetle and turn it into a giant spider that, yeah, maybe may not be the most convincing looking spider around, but
2: it's better it than the sh- creeping Terror for sure.
1: Oh, by far. Oh, God, I'll take any day of the week. I mean, you know, this definitely isn't the ants from them by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, it's still better than a lot of creature feature fair that we've seen out there.
2: I wanted to sleep on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it happens. I mean, there's a lot of creature features I've never watched just because Mystery Science Theater... Kind of introduced me to so many, you know, with the beginning of the end and the Black Scorpion. Yeah, it, it turned me on to all of those. Reptilicus is one that <laughs>
2: MST. Reptil- I, <laughs> uh,
1: I actually love Reptilicus. Like, legitimately, I think that's a great film. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about it. Should have won later. Oscars. I believe it actually.
2: <laughs> Fucking the, the the general guy from that movie should have won an Oscar for sure.
1: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, so let's get to it. Obviously, we've all been alluding to the giant spider here in the Giant Spider Invasion. So let's get to it. Obviously, the spider if you look if you watch the movie more than once, it's very obvious, especially in the scene where they're on the baseball field, it's very obvious that the spider is just a car that's been kind of repurposed into a giant spider. There's even a gag in the movie where if you look really closely, you could see the spider leaving tire tracks behind (laughs) it on the baseball, (laughs) which I found hysterical. But yeah, you know, they're kind of tipping their hat a little bit. But again, like I said, for what they were able to do with $250,000 and mind you, I didn't even talk about this movie and the fact that this movie is a theatrical success. A lot of people may not, have heard of this movie. may not, you know, be familiar with it, but this movie was one of the top 50 grossing movies of 1976. Like legitimately, this movie made $25 million in its first year of release.
2: That's fucking crazy. When you think about it,
1: it really is. I mean, the, the, the return on investment is insane. And they did that in a year. And mind you, this movie never got a gigantic national release. This movie was released, I believe, in October of 1975. And they only released it to a couple of theaters in Texas and Oklahoma. That's it. Two states. Even though the movie was shot in Wisconsin, it did eventually have a premiere in Wisconsin. But it never had like an extended run where it was like playing for like a couple of weeks or whatever. But they put it in a couple of theaters in Texas and Oklahoma and word of mouth and, and it got, and even the critical reviews were positive for this movie. Like, you know, none of them were calling it, um, you know, the, the next, you know, classic creature feature by any stretch, but a lot of them were giving the movie its credit for being shot in Wisconsin on a low budget with not a lot of Hollywood talent. I mean, yeah, we've got a few of the people. The, a few of the actors that I named earlier, um, specifically Leslie Parrish was a major Hollywood actress at the time, you know, most of the crew and a lot of the on-screen talent, especially in the crowd scenes, that's all locals. That's just all people that live in that town. And they basically fed them. They, they've basically fed them barbecue and said, you know, be in our movie and you know, we'll feed you. And they did that. And you know, they're, (laughs) they're not like the greatest crowd scenes ever, but, you know, a couple of them are rather convincing. Like, when when the spider is on the street and you can't quite see the bottom of the spider's body because the crowd is, like, running in all directions around it, that yeah. scene actually looks pretty decent. Yes, once you take a really close look at the spider, you see that it's really just black felt with a couple of red eyes. I, I mean, Oh, man, I would ride that in a second. I want to drive it, actually. Yeah, hell yeah, I want to drive that thing down the street, especially on Halloween, just scare the shit out of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, as we already said, you know, they repurposed a Volkswagen Beetle. They added uh, the giant legs, and what a lot of people people who have actually seen this movie may not realize is that all the legs were actually controlled by human actors inside the Volkswagen. So it's not like they just hooked it up to like a pulley system where the legs would automatically move. There was actually seven teenage boys in the Volkswagen manipulating all eight of the legs to the point where one of them actually passed out because they filmed this in the summer of 75. It was such a hot and humid summer in Wisconsin that year that literally one of the teenage boys just passed out from heat exhaustion. Luckily, you know. No hospitalization or anything like that was needed, so, I mean, there were no accidents on the set, to my knowledge. Oh, actually, there was one accident on the set, and it was during the finale, when the spider explodes slash implodes. Like, it explodes first, and then it implodes back into its dimension. Apparently, there was a grip who was a little bit too close to the spider when they blew it up. And he ended up burning his right arm a little bit. He did end up having to go to the hospital, but I don't think he had to stay overnight or anything. So, you know, for I mean, for for a very gorilla, you know, film project, one one injury that didn't result in a fatality is probably a victory for a small production like this. Uh, I already talked about the movie being a financial success and and you guys can look it up, man. $250,000 Two hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget. Some people say as high as three hundred, but somewhere in that neighborhood was the budget. But twenty five million just in the first year, I wasn't able to find any all time box office numbers for this or, you know, video sales or anything like that, unfortunately. But I mean, for a low budget creature feature shot in Wisconsin to make twenty five million dollars in nineteen seventy five, the seventy slash <laughs> seventy six, that's that's kind of a that's an achievement. I'm going to (laughs) say, especially Mm. considering some of the movies that we've seen from this uh, period that actually were theatrical releases that were absolute bombs. So, yeah.
2: And the Skipper, too.
1: And the Skipper,
2: too, yep. Oh, um, the fucking... I love, the, like, the whole blender scene where the spider's in the blender. Oh, God! Like Bloody Mary or whatever the fuck she's making.
1: <laughs> yep, yep, Bloody Mary. And what's funny is she hands a cup of the Bloody Mary to, to her husband first, and he he starts to lift it up to his lips like two or three times during the conversation. And obviously we're we're all like, drink it, drink it, you piece of shit, drink it. And he doesn't end up drinking it. He finally just puts it down. The wife takes it, takes a sip of it, spits it right out. Yup. There was a tarantula in the blender, which she made the bloody Mary, which um, makes me wonder if a creep show borrowed from that. Remember he had roaches in his blender. Yeah, in that one segment. So hmm, who knows? That's true. Yeah, who knows. <laughs> one thing that some people are going to notice is that the movie has kind of a confusing tone. The first half of the movie takes itself very seriously. It's not very jokey. Obviously, the spiders are normal size, tarantula size at that time. So yeah. you know, it's menacing. But then it takes a turn. Once the giant spider shows up that's when kind of the cheesiness of the whole thing takes over. And the reason for this is because there were two writers on this film. The two people credited with writing this film are Richard Huff, who is is credited as being the main writer. But then Robert Eastman, who, as we already said, played our farmer, Kester, in this film, he actually was writing some of this script too. And what had happened was there was a disconnect between the two writers. Richard Huff thought that they were trying to make a very serious movie. Like, you know, no comedy, no slapstick, you know, nothing like that. That it was going to be all serious, all scary. Whereas Robert Easton, his script for the movie was a creature feature parody. He basically made a parody of creature features where they were lampooning, you know, all the classic tropes of giant creature movies. Well, there was a disconnect between the writers and what happened was Robert Huff being the main writer, he got final say and Robert Easton actually uh, relays this great story in the uh, special features of the Blu-ray where he talks about how he had written all these great jokes, all these sight gags, all these different things that would have added that really would have upped up the ante on the parody aspect of the movie. But then that every day, he would write a couple of pages and then he would hand them off to Richard Huff. Richard Huff would then take all his jokes out. Like every, all the jokey stuff, all the parody stuff, basically he pulled it all out. And that's kind of why the tone of this film is kind of hard to lock down. Cause you know, the first, as we've, as we've all already said, the first half takes it very seriously I mean, you know, there's still some comedy with just the characters, you know, kind of being rednecks, you know, mountain men, if you will, living off the land. You know, there's that kind of humor. But all of the creature feature parody stuff was taken out. And apparently Robert Eastman and Richard Huff basically didn't speak to each other for decades after this. Like Robert Easton was pissed off. At, at huff because he took out all of his jokes like all of the stuff that was going to make this movie quote-unquote mm-hmm. fun got taken out by the main writer they didn't speak to each other for literally like 30 40 years and then finally at that same film festival at the bill Rabane film festival in 2005 they finally got back together and they kind of buried the hatchet and richard huff actually apologized to robert easton he, he basically said, I didn't realize what you were trying to do. I thought you were just being a goofball and that your writing style was very comedic. I didn't realize you were trying to make a creature feature parody. And he actually apologized to him. And he, uh, apparently right before this film festival, Richard Huff pulled out Robert Easton's script and reread it. And he actually says, you know what? Th- this is way better than my script. Like, it made so much more sense. It would have been way funnier, way more fun, to the point where Richard Huff is convinced today that had he filmed Robert Easton's script, this movie would probably have a higher place in the creature feature echelon. You know what I mean? If you really went um, headlong with the parody aspect of it and the comedy of it. Yeah. As it is, I mm-hmm. love the film. You know, it's not ultra funny. It does have its funny moments. Obviously, we've talked about some of the silly characters, the fact that the skipper is in here and As
0: you like know, the worst share yes. ever. He's
2: like, yeah, you just call them <laughs> tomorrow morning.
0: You know. <laughs> I'm saying like the way that he's making it out, it sounds more like it was it was going to have been deliberate comedy rather than what we get in the film, which is unintentional, just because of the the way that it, everything comes off.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, I would be curious to see you know Robert Easton's vision of this movie. I've already said, in and of itself, for what it is, I love this movie. I genuinely, you know, aside from the mystery science theater riffing of the film, watching it a couple of times now, standalone, it really makes me appreciate the low budget aspect of it, the fact that genuine care was taken with this film. I mean, even when you watch. <clears throat> the uh, the Bill Rubin interview on the Blu-ray special features, I think the interviews are like a good 20 years after the movie. He literally says it's his favorite movie that he's ever done and that it's his, it's his biggest regret that it didn't get as popular as he thought it might have.
2: So, I know he hates Blood Harvest. Because yeah. <laughs> he always tries to get a... Like, oh, I don't want that movie released. <laughs> he always posts like when fucking Vinner syndrome now said they were putting it out, he was like, I don't want that out. <laughs> so, like the- oh
1: man. And it's funny too, because I actually did rewatch the mystery science theater version of this a couple of days after I watched the standalone. And the point that Derek made about the slow pacing of the scientific scenes is really, really brought into focus when you watch the two versions back to back. Because in the Mystery Science Theater version, they edited all that out. Almost yeah. all of the conversations that the scientists, that the two scientists have, um, all the very scientific talk that they have that's boring the to mi- most Christmas of
2: us. The of, like, webs in the laboratory They have nothing yeah, to do with just, the other... It's so convoluted. Like
1: you literally have to be a scientist to understand what the hell half of what. The yeah, Robin Huff. No <laughs> exactly. Yeah, see, that's Richard Huff trying to make this movie more serious. But yeah, when you watch the mystery science theater version, which is like ten minutes shorter, they cut a lot of that out, and the pacing—you could—you could tell the improved pacing. You know, like the action doesn't come to a screeching halt when we go to the lab and talk to the scientists, so yeah, so you know if you're a fan of mystery science theater or movie riffing in general. I would highly recommend this episode, both of Mystery Science Theater and Rift Tracks, especially, like, the version of the movie that they use where they tighten up the pacing and everything. It's just – it's really, really cool. Another thing that I noticed in the standalone version that I didn't notice in the Mystery Science Theater version is how creepy Dr. Vance is. He's kind of a creeper. Like – obviously there's the introduction scene where he doesn't believe that she's a scientist where he's like, Oh, I'm here to meet your father. Oh, it must be your brother. You know, a woman can't be a scientist. What's going on? You know, you can almost (laughs) see it in his face that he wanted to say something. You're pulling my leg. But as the movie goes along and those scenes specifically with the scientist, Vance comes off as kind of a creeper, not not necessarily in a sexual way. I, I don't mean that he's hitting on the scientist. I mean that he's just creepy. In general, like he, he I, like some of the things he says, I don't have any specific examples, but I just remember as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, ew, why would you say that?
2: <laughs> Vance is definitely no Shatner.
1: Oh, hell no. Rack? No, Vance is no Rack.
2: Definitely
1: not. <laughs> he
2: took the lady scientist to bed like the same day.
1: Oh, man, yeah. I can't imagine Shatner has, uh, much problems with the ladies back in 1977. <laughs> I guess we could talk about the finale a little bit, which kind of left.
2: I didn't know that their gun could destroy that whole colony of spiders like <laughs> that.
1: That's what I mean. I I'm confused about like it's the, the giant and spider, spider and melted after. I didn't get. That. Well, first he exploded. Like when when they set off the bomb, he exploded. But then I'm assuming that because he was standing right above the portal. That the, that the meteorite opened up because he explodes and then he implodes like everything is pulled in
2: yeah, So I,
0: I feel like
1: they shit. must have closed the portal with that explosion, and as the portal is closing, it kind of sucked everything back into it uh-huh, that was the
0: way I, no, that was the way I took it where the the explosion of the creature the the big one that seals up the 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 hole. The, the portal that that was originally there when the meteorite hit so when the explosion went off that's closed the portal and then that that imploded it so it was sort of like doing both at once it was not intentional but that was just you know kind of like you know you kill off the the, the leader and then like the hive kills itself because it can't function afterwards yeah
1: yeah no it's valid absolutely yeah. Like like I said, we, we don't get much of an explanation. Like we see the explosion, then the implosion, uh, and then the movie basically ends. It literally yeah. credits start rolling. So, I mean, we don't get much. It's kind of up to the viewer to decide what's happening. And that's another thing, too. In the mystery science th- uh, theater version, they cut out enough of the scientific talk that there's no talk of a portal in that version. So for years, I would watch the Mystery Science Theater version, and I had no idea what was going on with the ending. Like, I I literally had no fucking clue. But then when you watch the standalone, one of the science, one of the scenes of the scientists talking, they talk about, you know, the fact that the meteorite opened a portal, and that the spider got through the portal, started eating everything on the farm, and exponentially grew bigger. The thing that always struck me as odd was the little spiders. Like, are those spiders going to grow and become giant spiders themselves? Or are they just tarantulas? Like, this thing just spits yeah. out tarantula eggs.
2: Because like, they, they came in the same thing, so I'm going to guess that they would have grown bigger. But I'm, like, thinking, like, what if one of them got away? Like, like,
1: exactly. Nobody... I mean, Don's explanation makes sense. If they close up the portal, everything from the other side of the portal gets instantly sucked in. So potentially, hopefully, none of those baby spiders, they what we streams. call baby spiders. Yeah. <laughs> At least the spider didn't scream or roar
2: or nothing in this movie. Like, I hate when they do that shit. <laughs> Don, do the Empire of the Ants
0: roar?
1: <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I'll give the movie credit for not giving the, the spider some stupid... You know, Mm. scream
2: or whatever. I mean, and goddamn, when he's eating that cop with those talons, that that was actually fucking. That
1: that, looked painful. Yeah. Yeah. Those.
2: uh, That was uh, like some of the best effects. Was those little teeth.
1: The fangs, yeah, those two little fangs sticking out were pretty gnarly. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen a quick shot of one of the fangs actually, like, inserting, like, yeah. actually, like, drawing blood a little bit, but, you know, like I understand Just threw, budget. like,
2: grape jelly on the dude.
1: Yeah, yeah, away. whatever. Just, you know, throw a little Heinz 57 sauce on him or whatever. I mean, you know, whatever works, yeah. but <laughs> for whatever it's worth. And when that I, giant
2: fluffy spider in the barn just jumps on Eve. <laughs>
1: And then, and then when the when the spider explodes, it looks like it it looks like its eyes are just filled with custard, just some yeah. kind of
2: custardy I pudding. I didn't toss. want to eat put, uh, that's all I have in my fridge, and I'm like nope, not happening.
1: Ah, I'm not eating pudding for at least a couple of weeks after this. Yeah. Now what's funny is that there was multiple deleted scenes from this movie. Once again, because of the disconnect between the two writers and Robert Easton during the, the uh, special edition interview on the Blu-ray, he talks about some of those scenes. Like there was supposed to be a scene when the spider was going through the main part of the town, like on the street, yeah. a drunk was going to come out of the pool hall with a cue in his hand, a pool cue in his hand. And he was going to be drunk as hell, like, you know, totally wasted, like basically using the pool cue as like a cane to hold himself up. And then yeah. he was gonna come out, and he was gonna make some you know some comedic one liner and then walk right up to the spider and poke one of its eyes out with the pool cue, very similar to when at the end of the movie the spider explodes, and that one eyeball kind of you know blows up mm-hmm. um, but uh, apparently Richard Hoff said, no, it's not serious enough; it kind of takes away. From the seriousness of the movie. But it's like, are you kidding? We're talking about a spider the size of a pickup truck. What seriousness of the movie? Come on. It's
2: fucking Herbie is the fucking spider. It's amazing. (laughs)
1: Exactly, yeah. And then the other deleted scene, not deleted scene, they actually did shoot it, but they never edited it because of how bad it looked. Basically, at the end of the movie, when the spider uh, crushes the farmhouse... They were actually gonna film the spider jumping into the air on top of the house and then crushing the house.
2: That would be amazing. uh,
1: Unfortunately, they had to use a crane. And when they, when they used the crane and brought the spider up, uh, they tried to do it as fast as they could with the crane. And they just said it always looks stupid. Like they would have had to have done it in slow motion or something like that. But what ended up happening was when they actually did shoot the scene, the spite they drop they literally they they take a crane, they bring the giant spider up above the house and they literally just drop it onto the house. But what happened, and I would have loved to have seen some images of this, basically the body the spider's body falls through the hole, but all 8 of its legs are pointing straight up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, when and and Robert Easton himself is laughing as he's describing it, he said it looked like the stupidest thing ever. Literally, all eight legs pointing straight up through the ceiling, and they're like, "Yeah, we're we're not keeping that." (laughs) So, so obviously they had more grand ideas for the film but obviously you know budget limitations kind of kill it and then of course they actually did shoot that one scene that I just talked about but it looked so bad they didn't even save the footage like the footage was literally destroyed I, I would have loved to have just to see the fuck up uh, would have been so cool I can't wait till Jim Warnerski
2: remakes this
1: Ooh, I'm down alright I, I think that's everything I have as as I peruse through my notes uh, Yeah, it looks like we touched on everything that we have here. Uh, You guys have any closing comments
0: before we get out of here? I don't see anything Yeah, I mean, you guys touched on, uh, you know, the scientific stuff, you know, the ending. Yeah, most of the stuff I've got is pretty much covered. How about you, Derek?
2: Yeah, that's about it. You know, like we said, is it a perfect movie? No, not by any means. But I fucking feel like I... Wasted my time watching it? No. It's a fun (laughs) little watch. You know, after you get through, like, some of that scientific shit, then the movie. Because, you know, the thing is, they always, like, go back to the town when the scientists are in that fucking lab and shit, and, you know, when the skipper is on the screen, like, ah, here we go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what can I say about the film? Just like you said, it's not perfect, but it's so much fun. It's fluffy. Yeah, it's a fluffy spider, absolutely. I mean, for what we get, it's not nearly as funny as I would like to see. It's not nearly as gory as I would like to see. Though we do get some decent gore, which we didn't actually talk about. The best gore we get is really with the cows. You know, they find some cows. Yeah, the animal aftermath, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Basically, after the the first night when the portal first opens, but they, you know, the next morning, our farmers find a bunch of cows. their Their organs are ripped out. their Their body parts are like spread throughout the field. Like, one of the cows gets its head decapitated, so the head is kind of by itself. I found it odd that the spiders just decimated, or should I say, the spider singular kind of decimated these cows but when it came to killing people he either ate them whole or just kind of fucked
0: them up a little bit well i don't think like, it was i think it was always the the smaller ones I, the smaller ones okay, acted okay. more because you, know, you when you see the, the big spider the first time you see it is the attack in the house when it jumps out of it jumps out and attacks the the wife and it's barely her size and that's several days later right yep so yeah. i've always I've always thought that a lot of the attacks were the little ones. I could see that, definitely. I mean, you know, the, the cows getting ripped
1: apart, I mean, we kind of have to attribute to the big one, but as far as like, you know, the, the organs and things pulled out, yeah, I guess that could easily have been done by the regular ones. I mean, don't forget, these are interdimensional spiders. You know, obviously we can make the argument that spiders only eat insects, but we don't know what these fuckers eat. They're Holy not like the shit.
2: This is the plot of Godzilla vs. (laughs) Ah, There you
0: go.
1: They're not of this world. Oh, man. All right. Well, yeah, I guess uh, that's going to do it for our review of the giant spider invasion. I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement that this is one to check out. If you're a fan of cheesy creature features especially this one because the first half of it takes itself very seriously and then you get that tonal change halfway through which actually doesn't ruin the film it just you know it it goes from being a serious dark kind of arachnophobia type movie to a more over the top fun eight legged freaks type movie so you know, and that's not a bad thing to me, ultimately. And I think to most creature feature lovers, I think, uh, they're gonna get into this one. So with that being mm-hmm. said, folks, don't forget, December 1st, our boy Godzilla is back in U.S. theaters for the first time, at least represented by Toho for the first time since 2016. By all means, let's all support Godzilla. This movie looks amazing. I've already talked about how I'm gonna see it multiple times, but yeah. Please go out and support creature features on the big screen, just like I always say with my horror podcasts. If you want to see more of this stuff in theaters, you gotta go out and support it when we do get it. So this is our first Toho Godzilla movie in in American cinemas in what eight nine uh well seven years in like seven yeah. years. Let's all support it. If we support it and we throw our money at it, we may get more in the future. And that's ultimately what we're looking for. So,
2: fuck yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. So, with all that being said, on behalf of Derek B and Donna Nelly, this is Mr. Venom once again. Thanking you so much for joining us for Creature Comforts episode number 20. We'll talk to you next month and I got a funny feeling I know what movie we're going to be doing next month. Oh, boy. (laughs) I wonder. All right. Take care, folks. So goodbye
2: to the bad guy.
1: (laughs) Good night, Razor.
2: So, no one gets to read. The fingers pull your stitches tight. But knowing someone's secret is not enough.